We are not millennials. We are matured. Brought up on collaboration as an art form. Delivered as value. Hey, Marin! Episode 89. Oh, and you probably have some really wonderful joke to talk yeah. about that as well. Yeah, I might have said episode 90 because I've already said episode 89 once today. Yeah. Because, you know, Marini failed to press the record button on the, uh, on the desk. <laughs> oh, you're not even anywhere near it. It's here by my arm, isn't it? Yeah, we, we kind of got excited today over a number of things. One... As usual, while we're working out our, uh, our content, we, we actually tasted a, a really rather unusual coral Ela whiskey from Eilie in Scotland. So we might have been distracted a little bit on that. Might um, be. And yeah. uh, I did enjoy it. And then I had so much water, I forgot to press record. But I can confirm our voices are now appearing in the appropriate place on oh, the nice. mixing desk. That's nice, good. nice, nice. And it also gives me a chance to describe Mickey Mouse yet again. Yes. <laughs> All right. So that's not bad. It, what, what I really need to do is make sure that I notice we're not recording before we get to the 58th minute of the podcast. Yes. Yes. So I think, I think we were so now like 15 minutes in or something. And yeah, then, we were 15 yeah. minutes in. Oh, well. Anyway. Should I apologize? Do nah, you care? that's okay. It's do okay. We, it, it just gives us time to rehash everything um all, all the ums and the errs that i always do gives me time to now better create my sentences or okay. something like that good so it's all good well we've been chatting for a while on this now so i'm going to rehash a little bit about this but um it started off because we were talking about uh barcelona tapes uh, i don't know whether you guys have spotted our new newsletter so we uh, we issued a newsletter which had all of the Barcelona tapes and, and uh, podcasts. And they're also available on Moraine and Steve. So yep. if you go to Moraine and Steve, there's a big button that said the Barcelona tapes. And that will give you uh, a whole series of podcasts, short podcasts. So 20 minutes or so, uh, you know, on the ad car, distilling, change and that kind of stuff. That was our holiday chat. Um, yep. And so consequently, um, we're both pulling change programs for some reason at the moment for Microsoft 365. So I was kind of working around, you know, what Microsoft 365 actually delivers and trying to kind of provide some focus on that. And so um, I came up with this diagram, which I drew out for Moraine earlier, who then got his camera out and went, that's good, I'm going to take a photograph of that. Yeah, um, I am, I'm so going to use that. For in every slide deck from now on. So whenever you see a diagram on Moraine's slide deck that in the bottom right-hand corner it says copyright Cy Steve, <laughs> then you'll know where it came from. <laughs> yes. No, you're free to use it, my friend, as always. We work these together. Anyway, where is it coming from? So Mickey Mouse. So um, we have Mickey Mouse's ears and Mickey Mouse's face, which is obviously three interlinked circles. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm just trying to describe this to everybody else, not to you, Moraine. You've already seen it, I suppose. And heard you talk about it as well. 
But anyway, yes. yes. Anyway, so, anyway, so and the, the the ears of of this diagram are basically our exchange and our email and our SharePoint online, um, which is where most of our content is. And of course, Microsoft five years ago, happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, developed Microsoft Teams, of course, mm-hmm. um, and that came out with you know all the reasons behind it. But effectively, that's where our collaboration is. Supposed yeah. To wait, 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 wait. I think you did a poor job of describing the oh, Mickey no. Mouse diagram. So, so left ear communication, right ear content, and the the face of Mickey Mouse is is the MS Teams. So it's all it's interlinked. I just think you've done a very poor job of describing this Mickey Mouse drawing. Okay, because you're mixing up the function and the tool. You just yes. done it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So indeed, so we got communication on one ear. Content on the other ear, and then collaboration in the middle. Represented the by the tools that Exchange does most of the communications. Yes. Um, and, of course, SharePoint Online manages most of our content. Yeah. And MS Teams, of course, brings that together to do the collaboration. Exactly, yes. Third attempt. Yes. So well, forget and the, about... And the two attempts that before we didn't record. Yes. So we, we actually now know this diagram very well. Yes. Anyway, so if you can envisage that, that diagram, we was basically trying to look at that from the perspective of the end user. And we're basically going to talk uh, for the next whatever the length of time on the usability of that model, which exists. We can't argue with this. Mm-hmm. Everybody that does Microsoft 365 knows that that is a fact. They are the tools we have available to us. Um, and of course, how you focus on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we came up when we started working this through um, that you know it's kind of useless without context. Um, yes, and they they have context with each other. So, for example, of course, Outlook is dealing with sort of communications and notifications, and you came up with with a wonderful percentage of usage, which we'll get into mm-hmm. uh, in a little bit, I suppose. <clears throat> Um, uh, and of course, some of those emails are really about collaboration uh, yeah. and the group and the distribution and the chat and all that kind of stuff, which leads us into Teams. And of course, SharePoint Online is really our storage for our documents within our divisions and our teams, and we migrate our file shares over to it. But also, of course, with the group concept of a SharePoint site, we have the ability to bring documents into our MS Teams. And so that kind of brings it together. But that context is becoming more and more important. So, for example, you know, one of the documents may well have got delivered by an email. Mm -hmm. And knowing what that email says provides context to that document. Yeah. So if I have meeting minutes in a a nice Word document, but... um, I didn't actually have the date of the meeting, then that information is probably stored in the email. Yeah. Um, and Microsoft are aware of this, of course. So if anybody's actually seen the new My Contents tab, which I saw you was tweeting about a few weeks ago, and about, whoa, where does this come from? And what's this kind of functionality? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great section called Attachments. So yep. it shows you all the documents that are attached on your email. But when you click on them, it doesn't actually open the document. It opens the email. Yeah. So you get the context. And on the right-hand side of the screen, you get the email. On the left-hand side of the screen, you get a picture of the document. Which is just brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, it's one of those things that you should tell everybody about. Because, yes. you know, and, and, and it's an example of how every persona, I know I've used the word 
Oh, right. did you use the P word? The P word, oh, I've used the P word. Okay. We'll get into that in a little bit, but that's something that applies to everybody in some way. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they get an email with, with content on. So that's, that's where we started coming from this. We started trying to think about how that model, that content collaboration and communications is not common to everybody. How do you define the usability of Microsoft 365 by considering those three things when different approaches to how they use it will be different to every persona kind of yeah 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 yeah. you know does it leave a bad taste in your mouth when you (laughs) say it the word i can't i can't all right yeah you will have heard me say several times that i'm not a kind of big believer in personas but that's potentially changed over these last two to three weeks as i've been kind of thinking about this that's okay we all grow in our roles we all grow in our knowledge that's that's okay stop enjoying it (laughs) (laughs) Mm. so consequently that's that's kind of our starting point Mm -hmm. yes Um, and we we have some conclusions where we've we've thought this through which we'll get to in the end and it includes a little bit of our baseline governance and policies and and all that kind of stuff um, because basically, different personas need different things. True. Wow. And they got different that came rules. out of my mouth as well. Yeah. They got different rules to live by, and that was one of the, like the, the one of the examples that you gave earlier, and that I found super um, useful. Like my golden nugget for this episode. The oh, one your golden nugget. Yes. Do you ever list these golden nuggets on your blog site or anything? I should. I should. That's that's actually why I was writing down earlier. Like I, I on my blog, I went to until episode fifty something with all the sh- not really show notes, but really articles about what I got out of this uh, of, of of the podcast episode. Um, and, and I stopped at some point, but I really should start again because every time we do a podcast episode, every time I drive back home, I think, Ooh, this could be a session. This could be (laughs) a session that I could present at a conference or that we could present at a conference every, every single episode, but every single episode contains at least one golden nugget. And the one golden nugget that you wrote down was, um, that not everybody should need should have the need to create a team or a SharePoint site. Because right now, most of the time, we're all creating like provisioning systems so that everybody could create a team or create a request to SharePoint site. But you actually say, well, not everybody should. Not everybody has the need to do that. No, and, and I, I think I was also when I got this awareness in my head as well, I was going through the governance for MS Teams. So I'm kind of taking a team at the moment through baseline governance of Microsoft Teams. So, you know, coming up with those high-level things that we we need to decide and do. And then from that, we'll have a design document created and a configuration list so that you can go and configure MS Teams with all the document done, and then you've basically got a change process. So Microsoft Teams is done, external access, blah, 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 or do it yes or no and all mm-hmm. that. And, of course, the key question is, do we allow users to create Teams? And it's a blanket statement. Yeah. And 
the bottom line is usually I always say yes. You know what I'm like. Yeah. I'm kind of, hey, yeah. given the tools. And it's going to cost me time and effort if I don't do that. So if help desk have to do it or if the IT team have to do it or yeah. if there's a workflow with the manager being approved, I have to make sure the manager is there and all that kind of stuff. Or we governance it afterwards or whatever. But the reality is that if you take your personas for your sites, there's some people that will never, ever need to create a team. Actually, I'll go one further. They don't need teams. Ooh, okay. You're out of a job, mate. Oops. <laughs> but uh, also, what, what, I, what I... And I'm going to come... Circ- I'm, oh, yes. Let's, let's do, like, proper business speak. I'm going to circle back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to put it in the parking lot? Yeah. Let's park that one. <laughs> let's park that one. Let's no, put no, no, a no. pin in it. I am, I'm, I'm definitely going to come back on that statement that no, not everybody uh, needs teams. But while you were saying... Um, I don't want everybody to be able to create new collaboration or a content environment um i was wondering wouldn't it be more cumbersome to actually make a distinction on who should and who shouldn't and put all kinds of rules in place instead of just saying look here's the request form to request a team and we're just gonna build it and and we're done with it instead of Here's the here's the form, and now we need to put on certain security rules so that only the people that we think should be able to ask for something are allowed to see it, and then we need to manage that security and blah, blah, blah. Wouldn't it just be easier to say, okay, here's the request form, and just fill it in if you need it? Even though you might not need it, here it is. Anyway. might <laughs> i'm just saying it, no, no, it no. might just be uh, uh, easier might, and, and less expensive to, to it, do that it, it may be but then you you still have the overhead of all these extra sites that you have to manage and and look after and all that kind of stuff and um wow am i changing my mind i must be getting old all right <laughs> so but the, the bottom line is that you're trying to work out where the value is for these people all right. <laughs> <laughs> let's not call it personas. But no, let's not do people. that. <laughs> yes. So, but you're identifying the value, aren't you? Because you're going to basically make your change program and and your communications and all that kind of to the to the p- people that need to use it. Your personas, the roles they do, and if you're suddenly going to say, "Hey, you can create a site," then they're going to go, "Well, yeah. When am I ever going to use that?" Mm-hmm. If you really understand your personas. Yeah. If you don't understand, if you just got them as labels and you're just going to say, hey, then you can have it, you're good to go. But the, the, the point is that, you know, a frontline worker, for example, the coalface worker, is never going to need to create an MS team site because they're never going to use it. They're never going to collaborate. Is that a better statement for your mm, pinned yeah, comment? Yeah. So, so consequently, why would I want to distract them with the button and the, you know, that, well, let's put it this way. If we're going to allow them to create sites, then I need them to be able to, I need to train them on how they create a site. I need to train them on when they should create a site. And I also need to show them how to go to wherever they decide to go and train a site. When there's a very good chance they only have a mobile device. That is actually a brilliant uh, statement. Yes. Because so you want to take the might... pin out of that? Yeah, no, just... yeah, yeah. Well, that, that might be ex- exactly as you said. You got 
Telephone. I've got a telephone. <laughs> and uh, Doggy doesn't like the telephone. Hello. Hello, Mother. How are you doing? Okay, but you do remember what I was doing on a Wednesday night. You forgot. You forgot that I was recording a podcast. Well, now, Mother, you're on it. Yep. But thank you for letting me know you're at home. Safe and sound. Bye. There you go. My mother was uh, over for the week and just travelled back to the UK. She was all safe and sound. One more little job to do. She's home safe and sound. Cool. Family life goes on here. Actually, just as an aside, um, our next podcast, we won't be here. Oh? We will be in Antwerp. Oh, we will be in Antwerp, yes. Because we've got a whiskey tasting. <laughs> COVID is over. COVID is yes. over. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So, so yes, in uh, two weeks' time, we will actually be in your neck of the woods. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Right. Oh, yeah. So no more <gasps> Wendy disturbing us and, uh, and no more my mother phoning. No, exactly. But we need to make sure we do the podcast before we do the tasting. I know what yes, happened last time. Yes, yes. Right. So let's go back to this then. So, so we, so Stephen's being a big boy now and realizing that potentially there are context around all of these applications, and that context is often about the kind of person we're there. You put your finger up to say. I was. I was actually saying. Uh, in I was somewhere in the middle of my sentence that. It might actually be cheaper to not give everybody the chance to create a SharePoint site or to create a team because, as you said, then you also need to train them around all these things. So not having to train them might be less expensive than opening it up for everyone. Yeah, it, it might Good be. Point. I mean, the, the answer about all of this training is that how do I integrate the training into their daily training routines? You know? That as well. Yeah. So, And that's where... I say that they don't necessarily need collaboration. So I was potentially wrong about them not needing teams because those kinds of people will have heavy use of Viva and Viva yes. learning and, yes. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and of course, chat groups, chats and, and things is, is potentially yeah. there. But of course, but you, go on, you, your you finger can, was there you again. You can make uh, your Teams application more um, easy to, because you can just hide that Teams button from their left rail navigation. At the end of the day, uh, some personas don't have the time to go and work out what that button is. Exactly. You know, yeah. because they are operating a machine or they are, hmm. you know, doing and that it kind saves of stuff. you in 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 training time. Yeah. So that was just one of the reasons. But we we awesome. talked about context. Yeah. So com- com- communications, collaboration, and content. There are three areas of yeah. our three. Mickey, Ma- Mickey Mouse faces. Um, and, of course, we then have this idea of, of managers and all that kind of stuff. But the key word here is context. So the context is about the persona. So when we start talking about things like baseline governance and about those rules like creating sites, mm-hmm. you've suddenly added a lot of complexity about those design documents and governance documents. And, of course, you also have had a lot of overhead on your administration. Mm-hmm. So your your content about whether it's cheaper to let just everybody have the form, it also means that we now have to have a process every single time we have a site created. Now, what you could do, 
again, just so that another another silver nugget, and that's not a gold nugget, but a silver nugget, is of course you could have the form for people that don't need to approve a form and people that can uh, just create a team site, like managers, for example, mm-hmm. can do it without the form. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. as well. Actually, having, having yeah. said that, I don't know whether you can. Um, I guess you can, depending on how you approach the creation of your team sites. So if you use the Microsoft method that says, hey, you, I want to approve sites, so it's kick up a workflow. So the button is there, but then the workflow kicks in. Mm-hmm. Or, of course, you do it the other way around, where you give them a button that opens up a, a form yeah. that you then kick the workflow in so you're more in control of it then you're able to kind of work out who can and who can't create sites but yeah either way around find a solution that says some personas can and some personas can't yeah okay yeah that, absolutely that's it sounds one now that we've said it a few times already <laughs> it, it <laughs> totally makes sense yeah yeah i think so so what else then what other things do we think about when it comes to comms collaboration and content? Now, you surprised me when you described to me. Yes, you did. Okay. Now, now and again. Now okay. and again. Today's one of those days. Um, uh, you surprised me when you, you, you said that when it comes to your communications, your emails, you have quite... Um, my uh, ratio. Your, your profile of emails is something that you're aware of. I never even think about it, but... Yeah. So I was I was looking um at my email and that actually came from one of my customers. I don't know if I talked about this in in a previous episode. One Almost of my certainly you probably, always talk about your yeah, customers. One of my customers actually said um that everyone in the company has a has an email mailbox of course but they are not allowed to from their own personal mailbox they're not allowed to email outside of the company so they're sense. they're only uh they can only email inside of the organization data then, protection data leakage yeah exactly yep. and then they they have like uh, these uh, shared mailboxes function based where they can actually email outside so i was that that kind of brought all kinds of emotions in my head and 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 thoughts emotions um, yes did it did it make you cry almost okay because i i couldn't figure out why you would want to do that and then at some point i kind of had the epiphany saying well why do they still need a mail an, an, an actual inbox to do their email if it's only internal why can't we use teams for that in the future now i know they still need an an exchange account, of course, otherwise things would fall apart. But why would they have that in their outlook? And on the basis we talked about having to train people about these applications and adopt them and stuff. Yeah, exactly. There's but a so, cost associated with yeah. it. Yeah. But but one of the things that I hear from a lot of people in that companies, they're saying I'm, I always uh, miss um, or I'm always wrong in, in, in which email uh, box or email account that I need to send. So I need to send an email to, to an external uh, person and I always get the, the email account wrong, which I need to send it from. So I, I always do that from my own inbox, and but then I it bounces back because I can't email outside people. So then I need to do that again from the other... Uh, anyway, long story. So, so I was c- actually <laughs> looking at... Uh, 
what kind of emails do I get most of the time? Sorry, go ahead. I'm just trying to work out which organization gives people two mailboxes, one they can email things out with and one that they can't. I know, and that's that's my whole... It, it blew my mind. Yes, so it must for me have blown as well. Your so I, I got my anger, I got my acceptance, I got all, <laughs> all the stages. I went through all the stages in my head. But anyway, well, yes, I can understand that makes me think, okay, about my email. I mean, it is true, I often wonder about the value of email, but if you just look at the number of emails that come in and go out, you can see that it's still a valuable tool in, in many ways. Yeah, and, and absolutely, but then my question is why would they still need that email inbox or that email account on their Outlook if they only can send emails inside of the company? Wouldn't it be better to use something Teams. else? Yeah, deja vu. But I think I've heard that. Yeah, before. I, I think so as well. But then again, I was looking at my email inboxes because I've got a number of them for every customer, of course. Um, and I was actually looking at it and, and looking at what kind of emails do i get and of course i got all the enlarge your penis junk mails um which you still get them no not that much anymore no that's because they know that you never you never it's too long or no no anyway (laughs) no no you see the way i led you into that one there it was perfect setup (laughs) perfect setup and i was looking at my email and i was actually coming to the conclusion that around 40 percent is communication it's about uh, corporate communication. It's about, um, yeah, all, all kinds of people letting me know that this and this and this. Okay, cool. I don't need to do anything with that. I don't need to respond to that. I just need to take that in. Then I've got around 40% of my email. That is all notification. That is coming from... SharePoint or coming from Word or Excel where people are leaving comments and, and uh, those are flying in and those are really valuable to me. And you had a really good point earlier about asking if, if those wouldn't be around collaboration because I'm writing documents and now a number of people need to take a look at that document and when they create a comment, I get a notification of that. And yes, that might be part of my control freak nature, but that also... You see, you're killing all my jokes here, aren't you? Because we've already had this conversation. Yes, you're just, sorry about you're, that. You're, no, it's okay. Oh. You're preempting them. It just means I need to be smarter. Yeah. The problem is that when I use smart jokes, you don't understand them. Exactly. Because I always bring them down to your level. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> but let's, let's get this over and done with yes. quickly because you've been rabbiting on oh, here. Oh, I know. So I what know. you're saying so, is that 40% of comps... Yes, go ahead. 40% of notifications and 20% of collaboration, which yep. potentially is, is a combined one. But what you just said, inter- and, and I think that that's quite typical, that there is a, there is a model of the kind of emails that, that, you, that you receive. And then, of course, it depends on what you do to action them. Yeah. So if you're a control freak, every time you get a notification email, you probably go to the document to make sure that somebody hasn't ruined your document or doing something else wrong with it. Uh, or do you just like to know about it? Or do you use them as triggers for your actions? But either way yes. around, mm-hmm. there is a response. Yeah. But your communications, you said, there's things that I don't need to do about them. Yes. So why don't you just put them into the unfocused box and delete them? Oh, I, I delete them. That That's definitely true. But so the you problem is... So what you're saying is you're not... 
acting on them. They may be part yes. of your knowledge that you need to do your job, but they're not necessarily. And I think that's that's quite typical. Yeah, um, I think so. But that percentage will change, of course. So if I'm a, a project manager, persona, mm-hmm. yeah, that means I'm a PMP, right? So I'm a project <laughs> management persona. Um, then, of course, the percentages of those emails will be a lot different from me. So I'll end up with a lot of communications, individual communications, people communications, and a lot of emails going, hey, have you done this? And do we need to do that? And uh, I'll be raising things like change requests and mm-hmm. you know approving finances and all that kind of stuff. But again, a lot of those will move to collaboration as we start to move and the context of a lot of these messaging because the the whole point of ms teams and collaboration is that it reduces the amount of emails that you need to send and receive exactly but for that project manager instead of asking have you already done so and so what you actually want to do is you actually want to create a planner plan and write all the tasks down and every time somebody somebody has done a task you would want to get a notification of that you know, I wouldn't. Okay. Why would I? Why would would I want to do that? So I had insights. We talk about Viva insights mm-hmm, here. Mm-hmm. So I had. A, I looked at my insights the other day, uh, and it tells me that um, I respond to my emails way too quickly. Okay. So it distracts is that a thing? me. Okay. Yeah, yeah it yeah, is yeah. a thing. Okay. It's a thing. So you imagine that you get. So I don't know how many emails you get a day. 70 emails a day. Let's assume you get 70 emails a day. That's kind of 10 an hour. That's one over six minutes. Okay. Yeah. How many things do you do that only take six minutes? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to rephrase that because I know it only takes you three. Um, so I'm going to rephrase that a minute. But if, if you're working on a concept report, if you're doing something, it's going mm-hmm. to be longer than six minutes. And yes. so what, what Insights was telling me is that I don't give myself enough time to concentrate on doing something properly because as soon as the email arrives, I change my focus. Yes, you're not doing enough deep focus work. No, exactly. And the whole point of this podcast that we're talking about here is that unless you get the balance right of that comms collaboration and content by persona, okay, and they're all going to be different – you're not going to be able to get the value out of Microsoft 365 that you could do. You're not going to be able to get the usability or the focus. So until I started working on this these last three or four weeks, I had baseline governance in my head, which is nothing wrong with that, okay? Um, Like, yeah, we'll allow people to create sites or... You know, like we will we will allow people to share content with anybody and everybody or we will, you know, put in conditional formatting or sorry, conditional access. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had all those things as general policies, but I started to work out that if somebody wants to get the value out of, of um, Microsoft 365, they need to be able to understand the usability, what they can get value from and what they need to focus on. And so I don't need to give everybody the ability to kind of have interactive meetings in Microsoft Teams. So I don't need to have global training. I don't need to, to be, you know, and, and a lot of this has come from Viva for me, you know, mm-hmm. being able to identify which training courses people need based upon their persona. Yeah based upon the audience, based upon what you need to get out of it. When I do the adoption and change, 
the messages that I give will be different to each persona based upon the value they're going to get out of it. And that yeah. gives them the ability to focus on little and less. So I don't need to say, oh, I don't need that. You know, I just don't need that. But I now don't tell them because yeah. I've, I've already, I'm allowing them to focus on it. Changes, those constant running changes. Do I need to send an email out to everybody? No, no just, I don't. Just now the people that I use can this identify that. those personas. Mm. And I've used personas now about five times in two minutes. Yeah. I'm feeling faint, actually. So just give me a second. <laughs> so the downside of all of this is that it makes more work for you and I. It does. But then again, it saves so much work afterwards. But if, we'll have left by then. That'll be somebody else's job. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. I, I, ethically, of course, that's not, not where we come from here. So we assume that we're right. Well, actually, you and I, we're only in a bar drinking whiskey. We're always right when you're in a bar drinking whiskey. <laughs> that's true. All right. Yes. And we had that brilliant, brilliant Kalila. Yeah, yeah. yeah let's mm. go. Okay. And then we've mm, got an, mm. its brother across the island to drink yes. in a moment or two. Um so let's assume that we have this kind of matrix scenario. We have our personas. We have the kind of baseline governance for each persona, mm -hmm. the policies that they do. It allows those individuals to focus. It gives them the context of what value they will get around content, what value they will get around collaboration, what value they will get around communications because they're all different. So let's just cue some examples. Yeah, let's try let's. and try and share. Uh, hey, everybody! I hope you agree with this because uh, I think there's. I hope we're provoking a thought or two here for those of you that are, you know, rolling out Microsoft three six five or even supporting it or even mm. supporting it two years down the line. Mm -hmm. And every time something changes in MS Teams, you sit there and throw it all out. You know, go back to your original documents and work out who your personas were and what roles they need, and people will thank you for it because. You send an email out. Microsoft have just rolled out shared channels. And this is the value it will give to you. And, of course, your store clerk will use them as, a, as, a, as an example. They have no need at all to collaborate with anybody else and use shared channels. So they ignore the email. Yep. And eventually they start to ignore all the emails. Yeah. Because none, the, you know, only one in ten actually adds value to them. So by having focused usability... I think I've just come up with a title of our new podcast Ooh, this channel. Yes. If we have that focused usability, then that means that when they get that email, they will read it because they 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 perceive that it has value. Let's go back to our store clock because I think it's interesting. So our manager, we decided from a comms perspective, we think follows your model. 40% yep. communications sort of notifications and 20% collaboration. Maybe, maybe that collaboration is reversed, but let, let's, that's an interesting one. That's mm -hmm. in that overlap area of Mike, of yeah. Mickey Mouse's ears. Yeah. But a store clerk will have a different perspective, won't they? Uh, yes. Yes. So they, they will get lots of communication emails. They will not get that many notifications. No, they're not, they're not collaborating no, exactly. So collaboration will be, or the use of Teams will be 
meetings every once in a while, online meetings, hybrid meetings. Not org- not arranged by them. Uh, no, exactly. And they, they won't need to do any presentations. They won't need to share any content. Mm-hmm. They will need training on how to use this stuff on their mobile phone. So then the question is, do they actually need a mailbox? Kiosk mode. Mm, yes, they'll need a Maybe mailbox. Maybe kiosk. And then yeah, also, for, for also the communication. HR and... Corporate and, and communication. Corporate, exactly. Yeah, they'll yeah, have yeah. personalized content they need delivered. Yeah, and, and those notifications will also be, yes, we approved your uh, sick leave for your holidays or that whatever. That kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, come exactly. to me so you can be fired. You know, the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the important... Uh, yes, yes. Exactly. So if, if they would go uh, collaboration, that would be, um, yeah, internet, fever, employee experience. I think uh, so. I think there's a lot, a lot to be said yes. on that. It's one of my yeah. growing areas of... Uh, uh, do you want another tip and trick? Come on. Okay. So Just you, between you and me. Just between yes. you and me. You know that you're going to use the internet yes. if ultimately, but it's yeah. never the first thing that kind of gets done. It's always the thing that happens down the line. Okay, but that doesn't mean you can't turn on connections and use it for all of your project change and adoption communications. And eventually you and add all the internet news and corporate news in it. Yeah. But when you roll MS Teams out, all right, and you yeah. start first, then enable connections, but only use it for your adoption and change messages very selfishly so that anybody who connects into MS Teams instantly gets access to all the news and all the collaborations based on audience and personas. That is actually a brilliant idea because I just rolled out the Microsoft Learning Pathways, for example, uh, this week for for my big customer that, that I have right now. So Learning Pathways is something that you can just install from Microsoft, um, it's it's one of the lookbook uh, things actually. So it, I, I'm, in, I've got a meeting tomorrow at eight thirty to do exactly the same thing. Okay, so installing Learning Pathways only takes you around fifteen minutes. Yep, you don't have to write a single line of code in order to do that. You just go to the SharePoint lookbook site and you say Learning Pathways. Okay, you do need to be an, a tenant administrator, by the way, but you can just say okay, install that. And 50 minutes later, it's installed. And you got all the Microsoft support documents all there in one easy-to-use site. This is Viva or is this Learning Pathways? No, no, Learning Pathways. Yeah, but... But the thing is, I could use... I I rolled that out and that is going to be my change in adoption site with added content, of course. My own content will be there as well. But that will be my change in adoption site. But I can put that into the Viva Connections part and have everyone that already has Teams now has a one-button or one-click access to all that content. I tell you, it's ideal. Boom. Boom! No, I, I, I absolutely get it. And, and wow. But if you do okay. the MS Learnings as well, you can then set up all of the suggested trainings for all of your different personas. Yeah. And that's, I'm afraid, two lines of PowerShell script, but there you go. Okay. Anyway, but you're rolling MS Teams out anyway for meetings and chat and all that kind of stuff. This is just an extra icon, you know? Yeah. Anyway, cool stuff. So uh, we were basically talking about our store clerk. So our persona of a store clerk and, and how they deal with collaboration. Collaboration for them is probably about Yammer. 
Oh, they, yes. They will get yes. questions that they yeah. need to, ha- to have lots and lots of answers to. Uh, and they were only dealing with published content. Mm-hmm. So they're not really generating documents or PowerPoint presentations no, or anything else. Just procedures and, and, yeah. And stand-up meetings. Mm-hmm. So by just having that line, that perspective, that context, then I've kind of halved my work. Yeah. I, I may have upped my an admin a little bit, all right? Mm-hmm. But I've made my admin simpler moving forward yes. in making the decisions around future changes, future updates, and everything else. Target I can't audience. believe I'm doing yeah. this, all right? Mm-hmm. I mean, my arguments about personas, I don't disagree entirely with personas, but I've never really perceived the value of them until I sat down and and thought this through in earnest when I started thinking about all right, how do I roll out collaboration? Well, actually, I, I don't need to. It just is there, but how do I actually get people to buy into it, and how do I get people to see the value of it? That's when I came up with Mickey Mouse's ears. <clears throat> that will be forever Mickey Mouse's ears now, by the way. Yes, I had will a beautiful be the... PowerPoint drawing of nicely laid out circles, one on the other, but now, you know, Mickey yeah. Mouse's ears. Awesome. <laughs> it's a it's a good diagram yeah as i said i am gonna steal that yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, that's Definitely. pretty pretty neat all right so, so that's focused usability baseline governance but the you know it, it's kind of where you go with this kind of stuff um and then we also we, we did talk about policies and i'm not sure whether we kind of want to go into that now or not but we might touch on it's that a, a little big bit topic later. that was actually our our original topic that's but where then the idea we came from just got carried away with personas um but actually where we came from was thinking about how should our site structure or content structure how should that look like and then we kind of came with the inevitable answer that it depends it depends but then we were trying to work out yeah but on what does it depend yeah and we were trying to create all kinds of rules on which would of course be different for every kind of organization and that's why we couldn't do it so so for example we said uh you can create an ms team site if the following criteria is met you know the content is not you know part of the corporate taxonomy it's temporary in nature so you would then say yes you can go ahead and create a team site and then we said but not everybody needs to do that and that led us to this context idea uh, and then that led me to my thinking for the last few weeks around this collaboration and content stuff. So that's where we we came to. So um, I think it's worth kind of br- rounding this up a little bit in terms of time. We're at forty five minutes. <clears throat> I think it's uh, it's it's worth. I hope what you have here is that it's impossible to kind of do focused usability or you know be able to focus people on the value of this unless you provide that context to be able to see where people find that value for communications, collaboration, and content. And it it will be different based upon the kind of tools that people use. And it will make life easier. So most frontline workers have a certain kind of training that they need, but they don't need to be trained on how to create teams and channels and SharePoint sites and how to use them and when to use them and all that kind of stuff because the bottom line is they're they're only going to run certain processes that are based on their role and they're only going to attend meetings they're not going to to make meetings and at the other end at the uh, at the C level 
All right, it's exactly the same. Probably they don't do anything. Um, they just you work on the information that they receive, and then they, you know, manage the processes around those, or talk a lot, or or innovate. Um, that was something else that we identified as well, isn't it? Was that um, the conclusions we came for was that depending upon the persona, depending upon whether they fit into a certain kind of category. So certain personas will be process-based. Mm-hmm. So, you know, certain personas um, will be kind of uh, innovation-based in that they're generating new content and, mm-hmm. and new ideas. And certain personas will be kind of very structured. So like yeah. your project managers and your, your communication sales kind of team uh, where they're tools. And they, they tend to fall into those kinds of so uh, those kinds of skill sets and needs and values so you can also bring in that other dimension of you know innovation does it require comms collaboration or content um, and it's probably stronger on the collaboration whereas your process is probably stronger on the content because i've got documented you know work spells that i that yeah but they processes. will always be kind of the same yeah. kind of documents and the same kind of of yeah. Uh, content yeah so i think i think there's more work to do in this area um yeah yeah so call us if you need to have us yes. do work no 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 <laughs> but but no. I, what, mm-hmm. I, what i also seem to think is that microsoft themselves have worked this out <laughs> surprise surprise you know if we talk about the my content page Yes. You know, that, that the, if you have not looked at it yet, your tenant almost certainly now has it. Uh, but if you go to the office.com webpage, mm-hmm. um, then uh, there's a now an item called my content. And, and I'm constantly being surprised. A lot of it is Delve-like, all right? Yeah. Uh, but better um, in some ways. But, you know, they, they're focused very much on that context of that content now. You know, that collaboration point, which, of course, is mixing email and content and and communications. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can identify, again, like in the Delve, in the My Profile pages, you know, content from particular people or people it worked on uh, or attachments from my emails and that kind of stuff. But uh, which it, is really, really nice. It yeah. is very nice. And we mentioned it earlier. You know, you mm-hmm. you click it open. It doesn't open the content. It actually gives you that collaboration space yeah so it opens the context as well yeah yeah well it's cool i think it's all neat i think there's a, a lot more stuff on here we can do i think uh you said earlier about some sessions on this i think there are some sessions on this i think it's a nice little combination but there's a word of warning here i think that we should not we should not ignore one thing i've been very aware of this last few months really um is how complicated everything is getting and we've had the conversation before of how big microsoft 365 is and how wide it is you mm-hmm. know this is just like a great whiskey this conversation we've had about personas and the uh relationship with comms collaboration and content is adding a depth that you would not normally consider yes so you know that goes beyond the survey of what tools do you think you need because it's actually what what collaborative processes do you need to do you know so for example let's take the store worker again yeah. so they have only published content yeah. but what happens when they realize the published content is out of date and that it's now not applicable to resolve the 
process or problem they do. They don't have the tools or the necessarily knowledge or whatever to actually go back and update that published content. So they need a process that says, how do I update that document? Yeah, or create a notification to someone that it is out of date. And then that needs to be something that a front-end worker does. So then when you get to that point in the process, you may need to increase the value but you're never going to do that from day one because mm. you get so you're, you're progressing your strategy around how you use this it's like do i do i let people create workflows from day one do i give them power apps mm. well you can't really turn it off but so i just pretend it doesn't yeah. exist and i don't mm. tell them about it yeah you know and i just monitor people using it um but you know, so so there's a certain complexity, just like in a, a wonderful whiskey, just like the one we're going to taste in mm-hmm. a little while, mm-hmm. uh, around all of this that that requires you to do fifty percent more thinking than you used to do. Yes, I I believe so, and I know that lots of people, lots of analysts, or or functional projects take personas into account, but more of a the step that you have to take without actually realizing the full width and the full value that you might get from it. Yeah. Like, for example, here in this case that we might say, okay, let's turn off Teams collaboration for a bunch of people because they will never need it and then we don't need to train them on it. Is the interesting thing. You can't really turn it off for them. Well, that's not really true. You can because you can create different policies for different people yes. within MS Teams, yes. so then that would you can give them certain it. functionality. You can hide it. Anyway. Yeah, you can. That is, that is very very true. That is very true. But it it does it does mean that you have to have fairly solid processes from an admin perspective. Yes. Uh, and yeah. so you know, uh, you probably of, have to create <clears throat> AD groups depending on the persona, something like that. That is quite possibly true. Yes. Um. The other thing that I was just thinking about, as as you were saying there, it's one of those things that flew in my head and it kind of flew out again, um, was probably not going to come back. We'll save that for episode 90. I oh. just remembered what it was. Okay. So um, when you start looking at your uh, adoption and change, and we will save this for another another time, but the way you approach these personas we know is different. Okay, mm-hmm. but they'll also have different responses to when they disagree or when they want to change or their ability not to change the yeah. laggards and mm-hmm. detractors. And you know, uh, for example, your store clerks and your front workers will gossip about how bad it is or the extra change and all those kinds of things, which is not going to support your adoption program. Whereas your managers will kind of say, okay, I may not like this, but hey, this is what I'm going to have to do moving forward. And so you also need to respond differently to those kinds of personas. True. Yes, your language needs to change. Yes, definitely. And the, the essence of how you actually explain this. Yeah, this is quite in-depth. And we've not given everybody the answers to this because the response is it depends on so many different things. Um, but our advice is think about the focus of usability of these tools, whether they need to use it, you know, the value they'll get from it because then that sets the desire up. So you're making them aware, but if they see value, you're setting the desire up. 
And we've already talked about the training and the knowledge part of all of this. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get to find out whether you got this right at the next stage when you start getting the feedback yep. and, and uh, finding out whether people really have changed or not. So there we go. Cool. Anything else you want to add? Not at the moment. I would say it is time for a drink. I won't disagree with that. I won't disagree with that. Good. So I found a new whiskey shop just down the road from me. Really? Saturday morning. How many whiskey shops are there? There are actually quite a lot here, considering <laughs> that I live in a relatively small village. Yeah. Within kind of 10 kilometers, I know of four. Wow. Four. And this was the best one I found so far. Okay. So I have the flavor shop over the road. Guys, thank you. That's a whiskey you owe me. Uh, the flavor shop down the road in Isringham there. But in Ninova, which you know, of course, yeah, somewhere yeah. else, there's a, a really very, very cool shop. They must have had, well, probably as many whiskies as the La Whiskeria in Barcelona for sale. Wow. They even had a long row. Well, I actually uh, suggested a long row earlier to a friend who said, I've got a friend who's coming over and I want to surprise him with a really nice peated whiskey. And everybody was saying, go Isla. And I was saying, no, go long row. Go long row. Go long row. That sounds like a T-shirt. Yeah, Yeah, but they had a long row there. I kind of took the bottle out and said, hey, do you have this? Because there were so many, it would have taken me a long time to go along. And they went, went, "Mm." we went there and I went, oh, there's one there. But it was a 25-year-old long row. Okay. And I thought, I don't think I want to, I don't (laughs) want to hit that. But as soon as I saw this one here, I thought, yeah, now is the time to, uh, to drink this. All right. So I'll pour you talk. Uh, you know what? I'll pour. You grab the taste notes. Oh, yeah. You like to have the tasting notes up, don't you? Grab, uh, give me the glass. Oh, there, there we go. Cool. So yeah. what, are we, what are we drinking? We're actually drinking um, a, a well-known drink. We've mentioned it before here. Uh, I think we might have even taste, tasted the very f- early 15-year-old. 16-year-old. Yeah, the 16-year-old yes. on, a, on a previous podcast. Yes. So, so this is probably, if you're getting into whiskey, this is probably the first peated whiskey that you would have drank. Yes, the one that's in the bars. It's the it. one that's in most of the bars if you're talking about peated whiskey. Yep, it, it absolutely is. It's the Lagavulin 16 is the one that you will see in the bars. And in, funny enough, I went out for dinner last night and that was exactly the one that I took. But this is the eight-year-old so the Lagavulin eight-year-old now under normal circumstances of course the younger the whiskey the you you tend not to aim for it you always think that the older the whiskey the better it is um and it is of course uh, a little bit uh, better in in many ways because what it does is it's more refined and you know it gets softer and all those kinds of things but what Moraine and I are starting to understand is that they no age whiskies actually has a different taste and a different value, which is improving upon, which is sometimes better than the the older whiskies. Yeah, um, not and, always. Uh, For example, well, if always. we are talking about Isla whiskies, heavily peated whiskies, we talked about the Artbeg before. The ten year old is beautiful, excellent, awesome. No need to change. He's going to mention Wee Beastie here. The Wee Beastie five-year-old is a piece of crap (laughs) that I don't understand. And anyway. 
But this, as you said, eight-year-old, which is half of the age as a 16-year-old, like a villain 16, for me is the best peated whiskey. It's the most well-rounded, triggers all the boxes. And Really? I'll mention one thing. All right, long row. Yes, okay. <laughs> but it, it does trigger all the boxes. It does, yeah. And I was very anxious to try out the eight-year-old. I was very afraid that it would turn out as the wee beastie. Well, well let's just, just talk very... Before we jump re- onto re- that, re- I know you've got a story. Um, sorry. No. Uh, is that where it came from? So yes. they wanted an anniversary whiskey. So okay. That's what they wanted to do. And they didn't choose a 25-year-old, but they chose an eight-year-old. Okay. So, the, so this whiskey is actually part of what they specifically chose to celebrate one of their anniversaries. Don't ask me which one because I can't remember. But, <laughs> but they, 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 the whiskey manufacturers themselves are starting to realize that there's certain kind of value in this. Anyway, this is the eight-year-old. We first tasted it uh, in, on our Barcelona. Yeah, in La Whiskeria. In La Whiskeria. Which is uh, still one of the best whiskey bars in the world that i've ever seen <laughs> yeah okay so what are we actually going to see here so on the nose you're going to get popcorn roast nuts uh burnt sugar which is what you talked about earlier the candid yeah candidness but what you don't get um from that 16 is a very strong smoke you you I do get i do get quite a lot of smoke you do but not the kind of 16 year old not the Art Big or the uh, Lafroig kind of, yeah. I'll, I'll kick you in Even the nuts. Even the Lagavulin like 16. No. If you put a Lagavulin like 16 on a table, somebody two meters away, you can watch their nose go. Is there a fire? <laughs> <laughs> but you exactly. Can. So if whenever I pour one in the house here, my girls would go, you're drinking that whiskey again, aren't you? <laughs> so so that that smoke on the 16 yeah. is hiding so much of mm-hmm. the subtleties, which is which is available here. And it, it, it is. It's it's much more sweet than it is smoky. It is, yes. But the smoke is still there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt about it. And yes. you're right. It is burnt sugar. It's not toffee. It's not got that dark nose. You talked about it earlier, candied. Yeah, yeah. I like this a lot, as I have to say. Mm-hmm. Are you going to go taste it? Tell us what the palate's like. I'll tell you what it should be like. You should have herrings. <laughs> Whoever toasted note, you should get some fish, which I don't think is quite true. But but I think that's where the saltiness comes from. Yeah, the 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 fish is definitely there when you talk about Lafroig, for example. But this, I I get lots of sugar, uh, on the in in the mouth as well. It's it's a kind of a sweet drink. It's not very oaky, but it's not a bad sweetness. No, not at all, not I, at all. I think but it's not oaky and, and not old. No, there's none of this kind of sort of uh, bourbon oak. It's not through. bombastic. <laughs> it's not bombastic. Wow. No, it is. But it's smoky. It I mean, that's, where, smoky, that's where yes. the smoke comes in. Definitely. So yeah. if we're talking about our, our you know, tripartite here of our whiskey tasting, this is probably one of the best whiskies in terms of the three different states of whiskey and how different they are. So the nose... Is is really quite roasted, roasted nuts yep. and sweet. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. The yep. candied even, um, and then when on the palate, that's when that smoke comes. You know that kind of rich, oaky, smoky kind of stuff with the with the sweet stuff. When the touch salty, and then on the finish, 
Uh, I really quite like this. Rich, delicious smoke, it says, ash, apples, and almonds. Um, I think it. Uh, I, I think it, it's quite true. The finish, I can taste it. I, I, I don't get the orange, which I would normally get out of a 16-year-old Lagavulli. Uh, that toast, toasted orange. What are you doing over there? Causing problems? Oh, he's putting his water in. I can see what he's doing now. So I, th I think that the nose, the palate, and the, the finish on this whiskey is very distinct. Three stages, very clear. Yes. Very cool. But in harmony. Yeah, definitely. Sorry, yes. I don't yeah. want to take that away from it. But I think you can tell the difference as you move from one stage to the next. Sometimes yes. it's not yes. easy. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Is, uh, Adding water does not do wonders to the smell. We know that. Every time we put yeah. water in, the nose kind of gets dropped gets, down. A yeah, bit. diluted or it fades away. Yeah. And on the palate. On the palate, actually... It does transform it a little bit into a proper 16-year-old. Spices really? come out. Yeah, well, definitely. That you get more candy once you drop the water in. I don't get that. I yeah. just lose like 90% of the nose. No, I get, I get the candy, but that's just me. Okay. But there's a lot more oomph in the mm. taste. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? When you dilute it, it actually gets spicier. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, the oxygen just really yeah. emphasizes those kind of tastes. Mm. I, I I love this. Yes. Oh, there's the almonds. Actually, you do get the almonds on the finish then with the drop of water in it. I couldn't spot those earlier, but that subtle sweetness. Nice. I, th we both like this whiskey. We yes. know it's not going to last very long. No. Not in my but house anyway. With or without water, um, it is, it's a brilliant whiskey. Yeah. Here's the difference between the two. The Lagavulin 16 is a brilliant whiskey. Have it as an aperitif or even after dinner. Full stop. Whatever yes. you do. It's brilliant. It's definitely not to be ignored. But as we're finding, the younger uh, whiskies are coming with a lot more, less complex, but a lot more kicking the balls you know a, a, a lot more boost of of different kinds of flavors a lot more depth to them mm -hmm. not complexity but a lot more deppth to yep. them and this is what Lagavulin 8 does for me when I first tasted it in Barcelona I thought <clears throat> a lot of body you know a lot of uh, yeah uh, a lot of niceties without without the complexity it's a little bit yeah. like the difference between a champagne and a vintage champagne you know that vintage mm -hmm. champagne will be lighter and 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 higher but Maybe depending on what kind of whiskey you can choose. I want a whiskey with a lot of body, go for the Lagavulin 8. I want a whiskey with more complexity, go for the 16. Except the 16 will hide a lot of those subtleties with the just smoke that comes out of it. True. Yes. Where does that smoke come from, I wonder? Well, I guess it's the timing of the maturation. So after eight years, the smoke, a lot of it is in the oakiness of the barrel. It's, it's not in the spirit as of course, it stays longer in the barrel, then that stuff is put back into the spirit. Yeah, you time. said that a few times, but I don't know if that actually if that is actually how it works. I know you've got the story about your twenty-two-year-old um, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. and but but I I find it hard to believe that the, the smoke part of the taste would actually 
go somewhere else as the taste itself. Well, what is what is it? Uh, listen, this is the wrong uh, anyway, place yes. to do this. Okay. But, it, but it's about the molecules, isn't it, inside the drink? Probably. And so yeah. they go in and out of the wood, and mm-hmm. that's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. Because I read it on Google, and Google's always true. <laughs> <laughs> now, I actually heard it from uh, John Cash, who was yeah. as part of that process. But yeah, it's worth looking up. But okay. the maturation process, of course, is what makes our whiskey. Of course. And they don't understand it fully. No. So they're the mysteries of the whiskey. Right. All right. So, time to go. My head is actually starting to spin a little bit. Okay. It was really quite nice. I enjoyed that. It's good. Um, yeah. Focus usability. Interesting one. I don't think we're going to finish this. We've got more conversations on this. Yeah. So, key messages here for you guys is, you know, think about those personas. This is Steve Dolby admitting that you need to think about your personas. Wow. I know. How far we've come. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you're allowed nuggets, so am yes, I. But, yes, you know, yes. it's part of this process. But, but save yourself time and be very specific about, you know, what value these personas are going to get. And then plan your workload accordingly. You know, if they're not going to get a lot of value out of MS Teams, then, you know, identify the other values in SharePoint size. It's also a tool that says that you, you really need to have as many applications live as possible. Because if you just go with and focus on MS Teams, there's a very good chance there's little value in it for some of your personas. Because they need the SharePoint sites or the permanent storage of documents as opposed to the collaboration. We've just made your life more difficult, people. We yep. do apologize. Good. But more precise. Better with a better, a better end result. Yeah better end result which is all we're trying to do all right great podcast let's wrap up let's wrap up i think we just have with, we, we do what we just have wrapped we up. just have all yeah. right cool that's so, it for us that's yeah. it for me i think we can say goodbye ciao <laughs> see you guys we are not millennials we are mature Steve, maybe more than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel.